0: and welcome back to the open mic podcast with mikey morrison i am mikey Bor- morrison i appreciate you tuning in uh it is about twelve thirty-five in new orleans right now i just got back from the sugar bowl uh, and figured honestly right now is the best time that i needed to record this so uh because i'm gonna be pretty busy over the next few days so i wanted to go ahead and get this knocked out i do have a i think a pretty busy show for you today we're gonna go over um, kind of my experience at Sugar Bowl uh, kind of I guess New Orleans in general uh, and then we'll also talk the two playoff games as well as I've got a got a pretty good uh, I think rant on the state of Carolina football coming for you. Uh, so um, I'm gonna compare Mac Brown to Larry Fedora so it should be a good one for you today. But first, uh, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at The Open Mic Pod. We're on Facebook now as well. Uh, You can listen to the show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, I I do want this to be interactive. Uh, That's actually kind of how all this got started. Uh, I had a buddy named Nick Norton uh, say something about Hubert Davis that I strongly disagreed with. Uh, and I wanted to tell him tell him and other people so badly about how much I disagreed with him that I started this podcast. So uh, let's make this interactive let's have uh, have some fun with it. Um, if you got any anything you want to say uh, any input that you have, any hot take that you have, uh, send it my way and we'll definitely kind of use it as a discussion for for any upcoming episode um, So I kind of, Today, I was in, I was on Baylor's side of the field uh, in, in my seat at the Sugar Bowl, um, and I was sitting right behind a guy who was – I could clearly see his text. Um, like, I was – I yeah, I'm nosy. I see somebody texting in front of me. Like, I'm going to look. Like, that's just how I am. Uh, and he was in a group chat, and they were all talking about the game, kind of sharing their thoughts and opinions. And – I think these people are nuts. So it's it's 7-7, like maybe third quarter, I think. It's 7-7. Ole Miss converts a fourth down in Baylor territory. And the first message that I see this dude get says, it's over. It It's 7-7 in the third quarter. And this dude gets a text message from somebody saying, it's over. And then the next text message says, Baylor doesn't deserve to win this game because they've, they've been, uh, they've been coached and don't have enough talent. Again, it is currently seven to seven and these people are already writing Baylor off. And then, so Baylor, uh, Ole Miss misses a field goal. Uh, and so Baylor actually goes down. Um, they score somehow, uh, and then they get another Ole Miss stop, and they score again. So it's 21-7. Um, they they force Ole Miss to stop again, or uh, Ole Miss to stop. All right, yeah, the drive for Ole Miss stops, and then um, Baylor starts running the clock. clock. The lane train has to call all of his timeouts. So, like, Ole Miss is out of timeouts with, like, two minutes left. They might – I think they got the ball – Ole Miss got the ball back with – Let's say a minute fifty eight, something like that. And this dude sends a text message that says he's still nervous. Bro, it's is twenty one to seven and old miss is out of timeouts. And Matt Corral's hurt. They they've got their they've got their backup in. And yeah, he, he balled a couple plays, but he also threw a terrible pick. Like are we watching the same game, dude? Like game's over. Start celebrating. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I get it. Wait till there's three zeros on the clock. But dude, you, you ain't you ain't got to be nervous when Ole Miss can't can't drive down the field, and when Baylor's got ten sacks and like two interceptions. Uh, like, dude, what? Why are you nervous? His his text messages, and then the bands were probably actually the, the highlights of the game because before the game, um, Old Mrs. Band played Free Bird, so automatic twelve out of ten for that. And then at halftime, Baylor played uh, Foo Fighters, um, so that was enjoyable. And then the ultimate, the like, I I don't think I'd ever seen anything like kind of. So disrespectful than what I saw, what I saw after Baylor got done playing their little halftime show. So like they brought out, um, brought out I guess like what you would call the all star of like high school band performers uh, for the area, and like they've clearly all got their instruments, and the dude controlling the music at the Superdome literally turned music volume up to a hundred and you couldn't hear a single thing that these kids were playing. I don't know if they were that bad. And this guy was just like, Nope, Nope. We are not letting these kids actually play any music or that you can hear. We're just going to play Bon Jovi and journey and hope that nobody can hear these kids playing the instruments because have no idea what they played and if they did play, they maybe they were playing John Bon Jovi, and they, maybe it did. Living on a Prayer was exceptional, but I I highly doubt it. Um, so don't know what went wrong there, but I kind of kind of found it comical. Another thing that was rather comical tonight, well, I guess not really comical, kind of concerning, was the amount of people um, that I saw that did not know how to use an escalator it looked like they were legitimately terrified to get on an escalator. I don't They were like trying to jump onto the escalator to like ride its momentum instead of just stepping on it and riding up the escalator. They were like petrified. They look like Frogger trying to go back and forth, trying to figure out if they were ever, it looked no buddy. The elf buddy, the elf is exactly what they look like. Trying to get on the escalator. It's like, what is is wrong with you? Like, have you never seen one of these before? Like this is, this is kind of concerning. Um, Another thing that was concerning uh, today was uh, I went to Bourbon Street. Um, I uh, was going to go to the World War II Museum. And uh, since I'm in New Orleans, figured I might as well go to Bourbon Street too, say that I've been there. Um, And well, it smelled like downtown New Orleans smells like cat litter. Um, it's, it does not smell great. Uh, and then it didn't take long that when I finally did make it to bourbon street, I was probably about 15 minute walk from bourbon street. When I finally did make it to bourbon street, uh, I was there about 30 seconds and then saw another, saw a dude step into another dude's, uh, poop. And so it was about shortly after that, that I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to the world war II museum. There's, there's absolutely no point in kind of walking around here feeling like i need to uh bathe myself in bleach um so i'm just i'm just gonna leave so i did all right so enough of that and let's get to some game reviews if you will uh i went i think two for two or no not two for two uh two and two on my picks uh this weekend i told you that old miss win the sugar bowl i did pick georgia over michigan picked bama over cincinnati and i picked carolina over south carolina so um not great but not bad either i'll take two and two when it comes to picks um we'll start with the sugar Bowl uh, since i literally just came from there uh when matt corral got hurt that was pretty much that was pretty much all she wrote i don't think old miss didn't really have a chance from there Lane Kiffin did try changing hoodies at halftime to see if that would work. He wore a white one in the first half and then went to a blue one in the second half. Uh, that did not work. Um, it just clearly wasn't the same offense with with Macarell Hurt. Um, Baylor's defense, though, even with that being said, Baylor's defense was legitimate. Um, I admittedly did not watch a lot of baylor football this year so i didn't know their defense was that good but like their defense was pretty good i think they finished with 10 sacks two interceptions um they looked they looked pretty impressive uh didn't really give up a lot of big plays at all Uh, one of those picks was against matt corral um so they defense was was stout their their offense on the other hand i think their offense i mean it's not like it needed it but uh, I think at halftime Baylor's offense had 15 yards passing 15 yards passing. now the running game was spectacular. Old Miss couldn't stop Baylor's running back. I mean he ran all over him uh, but I do think that Baylor finished with less than 100 yards passing and that's uh not very not very entertaining. Uh, their wide rec- one wide receiver did get his fill. He uh, he got like a sixty yard touchdown run on a well designed play. Um, but other than that, they they almost were as predictable as watching an Army Navy game. Just bet rush the entire time, and you would have probably got it right nine times out of ten and made a lot of money. The let's go to the playoffs now. So I actually had to record. Uh, I recorded both of these um, because I got into New Orleans after Bama and Cincinnati started. I, they started at 3.30. I landed here at, I think, right at 3.30. Uh, and so I was trying to avoid any and all TVs that I possibly could in an effort because I do like to watch the games from start to finish. I'm not the type of guy that can like actually go to a bar and enjoy myself and watch a game. Uh, I like to watch a game alone <laughs> and so I'm sitting here trying to or I've recorded it so that I could kind of sit here in my own hotel room and watch it and immediately though I have to go on the defense got two rows in front of me on the plane already has it up on his phone uh, and so like I immediately I just get away from him as quickly and, and uh, as possible and I couldn't really get far since I was still on the plane uh, but I did get away from him so that I didn't see it on his phone. Uh, then, as I got off the phone or off the plane, I put my noise canceling headphones on and I put rock music on as loud as it could possibly go because I didn't want to hear anything uh, from the outside world. Head down, um, walking by bars in a hotel, uh, not seeing anything. I'm, I feel like I've got it made. Uh, but then I, I start to run into, into some unforeseen issues. I get to my place where baggage claim, where I thought the rental car services would be. Well, they're not. The rental car services are in the another building that you have to take a shuttle to. Uh, and that shuttle ride felt like forever because some 14-year-old kid across from me. Again, I've got noise-canceling headphones on and like rock music on so i can't i'm not supposed to be able to hear anything i hear this freaking dude say well brown robinson's already got 10 carries and i wanted to punch him in the face and be like dude shut up i'm literally wearing an alabama shirt i don't want to know like do you no be quiet your brother sitting two inches away from you like you, you ain't gotta yell stop but thankfully that's all i heard um Finally get my rental, get here. And then all of a sudden, my fire stick doesn't work in a hotel TV. I won't connect to the internet. So I've got to, instead of watching it on TV, I've got to watch it on my laptop. Uh, And so I finally get to watch the game. And that game, Bama, um, Bama's, Cincinnati's defense surprised me. Uh, I did not really, Cincinnati's passing defense, let me say that, because their rushing defense was horrendous. Uh, Cincinnati's passing defense did surprise me. I did not give them, and I don't think I gave them enough credit, um, but I do think there were times where the offensive play calling for Alabama did what it needed to do against those two corners that are evidently that good. But then, I do think that Bill O'Brien got, like, overly pass happy. Um, when Brian Robinson has, like, a thousand yards in the first quarter, why are we trying to throw the ball? Like, I know Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy winner, but, like, you don't need to throw the ball. They can't stop the run. Everybody in the building knows you're going to hand the ball off. Just hand the ball, and they can't stop it. Just hand the ball off. Just just run the dang ball. Um, And so I do think the game could have been separated a little bit more than what it was, but it was, what, still 27-6? to uh, I told you last week when you give Nick Saban a month to prepare, typically it's not close, and – while Cincinnati did try to hang in for a little while, like this game really never was that close. I think Cincinnati had, what, 72 yards a half? Bama had 300. Yeah, 302 to 76. Uh, Cincinnati had 2.8 yards per play in the first half, and it didn't really get that much better in in the second half. Um, So, Cincinnati, congratulations. Uh, You represented the Power Five exactly the way that we thought you would. Um, Not well. You still got blown out. Um, the Georgia-Michigan game was a snooze fest. Uh, I started that game late because uh, after I finished Alabama-Cincinnati, went and like picked up some essentials that I need um, from Wally World and come back, uh, start playing it, and by the time I called up at halftime, pretty much that game was already over, so... I started finishing up whatever notes I was going to use for this. Uh, So we've got the rematch in the natty uh, from the SEC championship game. And uh, just a reminder, my bandwagon application for Alabama was accepted. Uh, It actually goes back to 2010. Um, I have a Facebook post memory to prove it because from Christmas Day in 2010, I believe I said, Merry Christmas, Roll Tide. So um there's that so keep that in mind as i go through this i do not i am definitely not thinking that the natty will go the same way the sec championship will be or will Uh, i think both those games are kind of out of character for this year's teams um that was not the georgia defense that we had been accustomed to seeing all year and that was alabama's offensive line kind of played out of their mind uh, the old offensive line definitely reared their ugly head this um, Friday against Cincinnati when they allowed, like, four sacks. Um, and so if, like, the offensive line can't, like, get a hold of Michael's secret stuff or or whatever it is that they were drinking before the SEC championship game, then I do think that they're going to have a long day uh, against Georgia uh, the second time around. Um, but we'll see uh, because, I mean, Georgia's defense – that does scare me and i think for obviously re- obvious reasons um i mean their their pass rush is really good and i think Wally Coyote has a better chance of catching the road runner road runner uh than Bama does at creating any sort of running game against Georgia because you just you can't run against Georgia uh so it'll be interesting to see i think Bryce Young's obviously going to play a really good game um but this this could be the time that Georgia finally beats Alabama. I don't want it to be. But it very well very well could be. And now on to the fun stuff. The good stuff. The rant. That I might run out of time for. So I might not be able to get everything in. But I'm going to try to. Yep, I've only got like 10 minutes to get all this in. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I do. Or else there's going to be a part two to this episode. So I tried telling you. I tried telling you. That. Carolina is terrible when they are not at home. They're also now 0-7 in games that I did not attend this year. They were 6-0 in games that I'm there, 0-7 in games that I did not attend. Um, I thought Carolina looked so bad that they made South Carolina look like a a 10-win team. A South Carolina team that's not good. They're, they're, They're not good. Yes, they beat North Carolina. They're not good. I heard somebody say, I was watching a show earlier uh, in the week that said South Carolina, or no, listening to a show. It was a North Carolina, Inside Carolina podcast. Um, and they said South Carolina had a couple good wins on the year. And one of them was like Florida. And I don't even remember that one. But I was just like, how is Florida a good win? Florida is not a good team. Yes, Florida gave Alabama a run for their money. Um, but did you watch the rest of the games? Florida's not good. That is not a good win. Oh, and then they said Auburn was a good win for South Carolina. Auburn's not a good win for anybody. Not this year, anyway. Um, they had to start their backup against South Carolina, and that dude can't throw. Did you watch him against South Carolina? Did you watch him against Bama? That dude throws like Tim Tebow. It ain't good. But anyway, so they make South Carolina look like a top-ten team. This is a team who went with a two quarterback system in this game. They ain't got Spencer Rattler yet. Um, he's he'll be there next year, but no, they they decided to to make a two quarterback system look like the best thing that's ever that ever happened in football. One dude went nine for nine, and you know what? He could you could just be saying he he had a, he had a really good day. Well, there's there's a problem with his nine for nine. Yes, I understand that. The quarterbacks can go 9-for-9 nine nine and have a good game. This dude's a wide receiver. A wide receiver went 9-for-9 nine nine against North Carolina. Dude hadn't thrown any passes all year. Goes 9-for-9 nine nine for 160, a touchdown, and 64 yards on the ground. They made this dude look like Michael Vick. South Carolina was also without their starting running back, Zaquandre, Zaquandre White. Dude was pretty good. I did see him a couple times, at least. Well, no, I did see him against the Auburn game in, in the Auburn game. That dude was good. So they're they're without him, and South Carolina still has a dude put up 182 yards on the ground. He he finished with 102 182 yards on the ground. Uh, uh all year he had been averaging 40 a game. He finished with 182. North Carolina could not tackle anybody to save their life. Uh, I couldn't find a tally of how many missed tackles they had, but every time I looked up, South Carolina was breaking another one. At times, it looked like when mascots play football against the peewee team, dudes were just getting run over and dragged, left for dead. South Carolina was still without their bas- best pass rusher and still managed uh, to look like a top-five defense in this game thanks to North Carolina's offensive line. Carolina gave up four sacks, uh, which, you know, doesn't I mean, yeah, that's a lot. And with that final tally, that means they finished with 49 sacks given up on the year, which gives them the 128th best offensive line in the country out of 130. 128 out of 130. I I think Max Mac really needs to take a look at his coaching staff and figure out what he's going to do next year. I do think he's. People are not going to agree with me on this, but I do think he's got a pretty a good enough offensive play caller and offensive weapons to score on anybody. Um, but they got to find an offensive line. I mean they they knew going into the or they knew going into the game and Mac admitted this. Mac admitted uh, that they were preparing for the run and they still gave up 6.2 yards of carry. My concern with this defense, and specifically Jay Bateman, um, because while he's listed as the co-defensive coordinator, he might as well no, – he's like the defensive coordinator because he's a dude that handles the press conferences and everything like that when they actually talk to the coordinators. Uh, from a defensive efficiency standpoint this year, Carolina had – um Carolina's was ninety sixth out of one hundred and thirty. Ninety sixth, and and I don't know why we, we suppo- that was supposedly supposed to be uh, a strength this year, and it was clearly a weakness. And, and I don't mean. I don't like railing on Jay Bateman because I want to like him. He's a D three guy, although he went to Randolph Macon and some dude that hit a, a good one hundred and fifty made an error, and that led to me getting my first career loss in college baseball. Uh, but that's another topic for another day. Um, he's a D three guy. Made it. He's a defensive coordinator, of Division one uh, football program, Power Five. Good for him. Like obviously, I'm I'm rooting for him specifically. I mean, especially because he's he's at Carolina. And it, when he was at Army, uh, he did show improvement. I mean, w- when you've got a good defensive Army, you're, you're doing something right. When he first got, he get, first got to Army in 2015, no, 2014. That was his first season in the Army. They had the 135th best, or yeah, best defense in the country. So that means there were FCS schools that had a better defense than Army. Well, in 2015, they improved. 2016, they improved. 2017, they improved. 2018, his last year at Army, they got up to the 33rd best defense in the country from a defensive efficiency standpoint. All this according to Massey ratings. Well, when he gets to Carolina, he is... Let's see. He makes a pretty good jump at Carolina. So the year before he got to Carolina, Carolina's defense was... 93rd in 2018, Jay Bateman's first year at Carolina, it got up to 48. Well, the, it's gotten worse. I think it was like 60 something last year, and now it's 96. That's going backwards with supposedly with, with better players, with a re- recruiting classes that are actually good. That are actually top 25, sometimes top 15 recruiting classes. How, how's it getting worse? I think that is legitimate cause for concern. And then the offensive line, the offensive line is concerning, um, but I, I don't know what, they're, what Mac's going to do there because the dude that's coaching the offensive line has been with Mac or has ties to Mac all the way back to Texas. I personally think that Mac can sometimes be too nice. Mac's trying to let I understand Mac's trying to let his coordinators, and I've got to rush this. I hate having to rush this because I feel like there's so much that i got to say. Um, but I feel like Mac is too nice to players and too nice to the coaches that are on his staff, and I think he needs to hold them to a higher standard. I'm not expecting North Carolina to win the national title. I'm not. I would love to see that. I don't think that will ever happen, <laughs> at least in football. I have seen that happen in basketball. But... It is concerning when, like, I don't think that six and seven should be anything that you should be proud of. I don't think seven and six should be something you, you should be proud about. I don't think I don't think that's something that Max should think is okay. If Max selling what he's what he's been selling that this team's going to be good and compete for a for a championship, then you have to win eight games. Eight games has to be your worst year. He's he's gone. Seven and six, eight and four, and now six and seven. So that makes him, what, 21 and like 17, 16 uh, overall in his first three years? You know who had the same exact record after their first three years? Larry Fedora. We saw how that ended up. I probably am going to have to do a part two for this because I, I just there's a lot on here that I'll probably reiterate on the next show, but I had to, I wanted to get this one out, um, but we're going to wrap it up today and kind of early. And so the, the whole rant for, for Carolina is going to have to be for the next show. Uh, but I, I do have a listener take of the week. Um, and so this is something that if y'all are down and y'all send me some stuff, I will definitely do it every week. Uh, I'll start doing a, Basically, I need your Monday morning quarterback and armchair coach's thoughts, and I'll read one to close out the show, every show. Uh, This one goes out to Jordan Wiles, uh, and he is a head middle school football coach, so he knows what he's talking about. Um, But he says, with much dispute coming out of the Tennessee Purdue game Thursday night, everyone wants to blame the official for the no touchdown call in overtime. The real blame for the loss is the Tennessee play caller. With two timeouts in their pocket, they took two deep shots at the end zone on second and two and again on third and two. They needed a dramatic scramble to barely get a first down, but yet seven yards out of field goal range. Forget going to OT, run the ball on second and third down with multiple chances of getting into field goal range and move the ball to the hash. Your kicker wants to kick it from and win in regulation. All makes sense to me, Jordan. I didn't watch the game, though. I did see that there was some controversy, so I don't really know how. I kind of know what you're talking about, but I don't. But I'm sure other people will. That's all I've got today. I'm literally running out. I have like seconds left, so I appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next time.